there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Today's work has a dirty little secret that we don't want to admit. America has the same secret. We're afraid to admit it because of what other people will think. America's reaction is a sign of the times. And the work, the visible works reaction, is commensurate with it. The United States has taken prayer out of schools and the work has taken it out of esoteric schools. Because of our pendulum swing reaction to religion, we've gone the opposite direction. Everything is intellectual and scientific. And the problem with that is that it doesn't represent properly the esoteric schools. It does not represent properly the teachings. And because it doesn't represent it properly, it's not a whole teaching. It's only a half a teaching. It's only one part of the pendulum swing. And because of our aversion for religion, as we understand it, we keep the pendulum swing over on the scientific side, over on the intellectual side. And the longer it stays there, the more the real work suffers and the more the people who want to do the work suffer because they are emotionally starved. This work is not about the intellect, but unfortunately it has been made about the intellect because of our aversion to our connection with the emotional part of the work. Gurdjieff said, the program of the Institute, the power of the Institute, the aim of the Institute, the possibilities of the Institute can be expressed in few words. The Institute can help one to be able to be a Christian. Simple. That is all. When was the last time you heard that? When was the last time you read anything about that? When was the last time that you read anywhere that the Institute that Gurdjieff started was to help people to be able to be a Christian? Now, we're not even allowed to think that. Think about it. Think about how you feel when I say that. How do you feel? You feel a little, a little it's, like, it's, it's, it's like it's a little encouraging, but isn't it also a little scary? You think about, well, what will, what will people in the work have to say about that? Have you thought about that? What will people in the work have to say about What will the visible work in our world say about that? Jennifer, what will the visible work in our world say about that? You, you have some familiarity with groups out there. You say they go, oh, that's great. No. You don't think they'd like it. And why is that? In your opinion, why is that? I don't, think, I don't think they really understand what it's about. They don't understand what it's about. The bottom line is, people in the visible work today, the work that is being spread, the work, the work that, is, that, that we know about, that we can read about, that we can find, doesn't know. They don't know what it's about. This obscure thing that Gurdjieff said, let me tell you how obscure this is, how hard this is to find. In his book, Views from the Real World on page 152. Anyone can read those words. Anyone who cares to know what Gurdjieff himself had to say about his own work, about his own institute, about his own goal, about his own mission that he was sent on by people. He said he was small in comparison to these other people. That the people who sent him, that gave him this mission, that sent him, they were much greater than he. And that this was his mission. Where do you hear that? Where do you get that flavor? Where do you get the taste of that? Well, I'll tell you, since Maurice Nicole died, I don't see that being spread around very much at all. 
I think he was the last of the people who really seemed to have a connection with that part of the work. He, for some reason, wasn't afraid of Christianity. He wasn't afraid of religion. Mechanical Western man's aversion to religion is the problem. The work is not the problem. What this work is about is not the problem. Being able to be a Christian is not the problem. The problem is that real men don't have that aversion. And of course, when I say a real man, I mean a man number five, six, or seven, people who are self-aware. Even man number four, as he's becoming self-aware, his aversions begin to drop away. He knows he can't afford aversions. He realizes he can't afford to swing the pendulum that hard, to clinging or to aversion. And so he doesn't. He tries to stabilize it. He tries to keep it balanced. He tries to move down the center. First, it is necessary to understand a Christian is not a man who calls himself a Christian or whom others call a Christian, Gurdjieff said. A Christian is one who lives in accordance with Christ's precepts. As we are, we cannot be Christians. To be Christian, we must be able to do. Such as we are, we cannot do. With us, everything happens. This other obscure bit of Gurdjieff's teaching can be found in Search of the Miraculous on page 102. Something everybody quotes, but they don't quote this. Everybody quotes, well, okay, everybody doesn't quote views from the real world. I don't see that very often, but people are quoting In Search of the Miraculous all the time. I've never seen this quoted. I've never heard anybody talk about this. Why is that? It's because of our aversion. It's because of this cultural aversion, Western cultural aversion to religion. It's because of the swing of the pendulum. Gurdjieff also said on that same page in In Search of the Miraculous, this is esoteric Christianity. That's it. Now the problem is, is that all we hear is Christianity. We don't hear esoteric Christianity. And we don't hear esoteric Christianity because, one, we don't know what it means. Two, we're so plugged in to the word Christianity. No, no, you can't be. They can't be Christian because we all know what Christian is. We all know. The whole world knows what Christian is. They know how bad it is. They know how wrong it is. They know the evils of Christianity. Maurice Nicole wrote, esoteric Christianity has nothing to do with exoteric Christianity. I want to share something with you. A man who's a teacher, who teaches the Enneagram, who teaches this work, and has been in it for 31 years, wrote, For me, no God is necessary. No deities are necessary. All the work is inner. True enough, this work is inner. But how did we forget that it comes from outside us? How did we forget that we can't get out of prison unless we have help from outside? How did we miss that? How did it all become inner now? How did it all become man lifting himself up? It's all in you. God is in you. Everything is in you. You don't need any help from outside. There is no rope up above you. There is no up above you. The only thing that's up above you is you. It's just the you that you don't recognize. Well, maybe that's true. But if it's the you that you don't recognize, how do you know what it is? You don't know. But we need to know. We need to know that it's not God. We need to know that it has nothing to do with religion. We need to know that it's not what we are afraid of, that it's not what we hate, that it's not what we have a strong dislike of, which is what aversion is. We need to know that because we need to justify our position. We need to justify our mental and emotional state. We need to justify our belief system. This work is all about tearing that apart. This work is all about dissolving that.
not about reinforcing that, but this visible work that we see today, this intellectual work that we see today in reaction to religion, in reaction to what we see, what we think are the misuses and the horrors of religion. This reaction to that is the problem. The work is not the problem. Christianity is not the problem. Sufism is not the problem. Judaism is not the problem. Hinduism is not the problem. Buddhism is not the problem. The problem, as always, is in us. We are the problem. But, of course, we're projecting our own problem out onto religion. Why? Because we do not understand that esoteric Christianity has nothing whatever to do with exoteric Christianity. Someone has said, in fact, what St. Augustine said, Christianity existed long before Christ. It was the religion of ancient Egypt. People go crazy with that in exoteric Christianity. Because exoteric Christianity is, a, is the religion of man number one, two, and three. It's the religion of the stone truth. It's a religion of literalism. But any religion is like that. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be Christianity. Any religion is like that. Maurice Nicole wrote, the emotional center in man is in a very bad state. Well, why is that? We must work to purify it, get rid of unnecessary emotions that keep us asleep, slaves to external life. People, aversion is an unnecessary emotion. I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, it seems like you're avoiding us. And she said, well, yeah, I am. And she didn't want to say she had an aversion. She said, uh, it's a little awkward. We're excellent at this. We're not negative. We just slap a different label on it. Oh, I'm not, that's not aversion. It's just awkward. It's an A word. You know, I mean, come on, I can use that. It's an A word. It's like, uh, you know, well, I, I don't actually feel awkward. I kind of feel aardvark. You may as well say aardvark. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we lie about our states. Why? So that we can keep them. No, that's not why we lie about them. That is one of the benefits of lying. We get to keep our state. Oh, boy. I get to stay negative when you don't want to stay negative. But when you justify your negativity, when you justify your state, whatever state it is, let's not even call it negative, because we already have an aversion to negativity. It's like, don't express negative emotions. Look, people, express all the negative emotions you want. You can't help yourself anyway. So express your negative emotions. Express them. Get it over with. Get it out, get it done, and move on. And note it. Watch it. Look at it and see what it caused, see the harm it caused you, see what it did to your body, see what it did to your muscles. Feel the muscles in your face, around your mouth, your nose, your eyes. Look in the mirror when you've been negative. Feel your neck and your shoulders. Sense, go through your body and take, a, take an inventory of your sensations. Find out what it did to your heart rate. Find out what it did to your respiration. Find out what it did to you. Find out if your face or your head got flushed or your chest got flushed and warm. Find out if your hands clenched, if your fingers turned white. Look at those things and note that. Is that what you're working for? If it's not, then let go of it as quickly as possible. When you find yourself flaring in a negative emotion, flare. Just go with it. Flare. Don't try and stop it. Flare. And then look at it. Observe it. You'll stop it. You'll want, it. You'll want to get rid of it soon enough. If you genuinely go to yourself, if you genuinely look at yourself, You'll give it up. You'll give it up much faster than if you're fighting with it. Don't fight with it. Try not to express negative emotions. Right. What that means is, if you can get ahead of them, if you can close the gate before they come down the road, great. But if you can't, and you find yourself in the middle of it, anything that we do at that point to resist it makes us stronger. 
give it its head, let it go, and then say, okay, so this is what I, this is what I want to go with. For those of you who are not raised in, in snow, driving in snow, one of the things they say is, you know, if you, if you go into a skid, turn in the direction of the skid. It's like, yeah, right. That's what I'm going to do. We turn, the, we turn that wheel as hard as we can the opposite direction, and we slam on the brakes, locking up the brakes and the steering wheel and making sure that we slide in the direction that we're headed. But if we don't hit the brakes, and if we turn in the direction of the skid, get control, and then slowly apply the brakes and slowly turn, we, we, we can get out of it in a controlled way. We have a much better chance. But that is not how we react. It takes training. It takes awareness. It takes something we don't normally have in that kind of a situation. But it can be trained. It can be trained into people. Because professional drivers who train that way use those things. They can turn a skid into anything they want to turn it into. Why? Because they're trained. Because it's second nature to them. It's muscle memory to them what to do. If they can be trained to do that, you can be trained by this work to do the same thing. That's what this work is about. This work is about making us different. This work isn't about making us better. This work isn't about making us opposed to something. If you're opposed to something, you're not doing this work. Think it through. If you're opposed to religion, well, where's the balance in that? Where's the understanding in that? Where's the empathy in that? There isn't any. You're doing this work at a very low level. You're doing this work at the same level of Christianity, the same level of Judaism, the same level as Buddhism, the same level as, as all the religions of the world. That's why this work today looks like a religion. People who come from the outside who are not invested in this work, they look at it and they say, it's a cult. Well, what do you think they mean? They mean it's like a cult religion. It's like a little religious cult. That's what they mean. But people who are in it, they're the last to see it. Isn't that always the way it is? Like I said this morning, before we get started, I was noticing somebody's swing of the pendulum, how they go this way and then this way and then this way. And I've watched it a couple of swings over the months, a couple of different big, broad swings. And I thought, man, this guy just doesn't see how he is. And then I had this terrifying thought, oh my God, what if I am as transparent as he is? What if I am as transparent to other people as he is to me? And then I realized that's exactly how it is. And when you realize that, suddenly you begin to take a much lower profile. You're not so swaggery in your swings. And that's a good thing. Honest, it's a good thing. I promise. What we oppose, we can't understand. That's why we oppose it. Maurice Nicole says, because the emotional center is in a, such a very bad state, because we need to get rid of the unnecessary emotions that keep us asleep, slaves to external life, only through long-trained technical observation can we become aware of wrong working of the emotional center in us. It's incompatible with any self-development. Aversion and opposition are the wrong work of the emotional center. If you cannot see that, it's because you are being that. You are opposing something, you have an aversion to something, and it jams you on the spike. You can't get off the nail, you can't get off the spike because you're jamming yourself on it by being opposed, by resisting. Resistance is not the answer. Resistance really is futile. The reason we don't see it, our aversion and our opposition, is because of the pictures that we have of ourselves being otherwise than what we are. If we had accurate pictures of ourselves, do you think we would do what we do? No. We all smile and shake our heads. It's this illusion 
that we are something that we're not. It's this illusion that we are following some path that actually leads somewhere. That we can actually think up in our own minds what will make us happy and then follow that wholeheartedly. That in and of itself is the earmark of the illusion. You cannot work it out. What your mind conjured up is what got you where you are. It takes outside help. That's why this work is outside of our system. This work does not come from our level of being. It comes from a higher level of being where people have consciousness, something we don't have. They have self-awareness, something we don't have. They don't just think they have it, they actually have it. But because we think we have it, we think that we can make this plan. Well, I'm going to do this. And then we go through with that plan because that's the good plan. That's the thing that's going to make us happy. But you look back at your life and look at your current condition, the one you're not happy with, you planned to get there. Oh, well, but I didn't plan to have it like this. I didn't know she was going to be that way and I didn't know he was going to be that way. Right. Your limited awareness, your limited consciousness didn't see that you were taking yourself out of the frying pan into the fire. That's true. But now you know. Now you're enlightened. Now you're aware. And now what you're working on is going to get you out of the frying pan and into what? The refrigerator? I don't know. Onto the chopping block? Where is it going to get you? Well, I don't know, but it'll be better than this. I know the Tao Te Ching says, uh, don't, uh, don't be too hasty to reject the position that life gives you. It says something like that. In other words, don't go running around trying to get into something else. Just learn what you have to learn where you are. Don't change. Paul said the same thing. If you're married, stay married. If you're single, stay single. Don't change things. Don't make a lot of changes. Right now, just work on where you are and what you are. Is that what we do? Rarely. Rarely. What we do instead is we think up some genius plan. Well, I'm going to do this. What makes you so sure that what you have thought up is what the work is telling you to do? Well, because that's what I want to do. That's what makes us think that. Well, that's what I want to do. It seems right to me. Yeah, there's a way that seems right to a man. And in the end, it leads to his destruction. So we've got all these pictures that we are other than what we are. We have a gap in our consciousness, which can only be filled through sincere, conscious self-observation according to instructions that are given in this work, that are given in esoteric teachings. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that we can't invent our own kind of sincere, conscious self-observation. That's what it means. It means that any sincere, genuine, conscious self-observation that we invent ourselves in our own state, the state that we're in, it's not going to work. That's what it means. But we don't like that, especially if we're inventing things. If we're inventing things, you'll feel the resistance to that. No, it can't be from the work. I know what the work is, and the work is this, because this is what I want. We all think we know ourselves, but we don't. Other people know more about us than we do, but they don't know themselves. We know more about other people than they know about themselves, but we don't know ourselves. This is our condition. This is the state we're in. Now, you can see it about other people, but you can't see it about yourself. Or you can see it about yourself when you can see it about yourself, but you can't see it about yourself when you need to see it about yourself. And when do you need to see it about yourself? When you're burning with desire. When you're burning with desire, you need to see it about yourself. When you're doing what you want to do, you need to see it about yourself. When you're doing what you like, 
when you're doing what you want, what you're doing that seems right to you, that's when you need to see it about yourself. That's the last time you're going to see it about yourself. That's the very last place you'll look. That's the last opportunity that you'll take to look at yourself is when you're doing what you want. When things look like they're going well for you, that's the time to look. Not the time when things are not going well. When the things are not going well, what are we doing? We're looking for a way out. We're not looking for a way to stay put and to learn what we have to learn there. But we've found our way out and, oh, this is the way out. We're not looking to look at ourselves at that point. We're just looking to get out, to get away from whatever it is we're running from. And that running, that's aversion. Begin to observe the unpleasant manifestations coming mechanically from the emotional center. What kind of unpleasant manifestations are coming mechanically from the emo emotional center? Okay, well, let me put this clearly. All of them. All of the mechanical manifestations from the emotional center are unpleasant. If they're not unpleasant to you, they're unpleasant to someone else. So that makes them unpleasant. A real emotion is pleasant to everyone. It's not unpleasant to anyone. The emotional center is the most wonderful center in us. In sleep, it's overwhelmed with negative emotions, self-pity, self-emotion, self-esteem, and others which prevent contact and understanding of one another's difficulties. Why is it we can't get along? The emotional center is overwhelmed, inundated, flooded with negative emotions, self-emotions, so that there's no way that we could possibly make contact with one another or understand one another. No way, because we're so filled with self-emotions. Self-pity. Oh, my life should be better. Oh, this shouldn't have happened to me. Oh, boo-hoo, they should treat me better. Internal consideration, all based on self-emotions. Self-esteem. What a joke. My generation is the self-esteem generation. You know, it's like for some reason we got it programmed that we needed to have self-esteem. Uh, it hasn't really paid out that well as I look at it. And the way I look at it now is what I have learned from my generation is we walk the earth too proudly. That's what I've learned from my generation. Through self-observation, we must come to realize what goes on in the intellectual center, in the emotional center all the time. We feel superior without realizing it. We feel superior to other people, people just like us. Man number one, two, and three, we feel superior to them when we are them. You know, this whole business about you cannot do, and there's this big movement going on now. Oh, sure, you can do, you can do. That's what this work is about. This work is about doing. And it's simply a misunderstanding. If you can define doing, then you will know that you cannot do. If you can do something every single time, at will, whenever you wish, if you're emotionally feeling depressed and unhappy, if you can, at will, be happy and turn that all off and be absolutely happy and go the other way, at will, then you can do. If you can do it 100% of the time. If you can do it 99% of the time and one time you can't do it, then guess what? That one time you can't do. Which means, according to my understanding of what this work is saying when, you, when they say you can't do, is until you can do, you can't do. You can do until you can't do, and you can't do until you can do. That may seem like double talk, but it's only because you don't understand if it seems like double talk to you, because it's not. Because you're right until you're wrong, and you're wrong until you're right. Feeling superior is always based on self-love, self-esteem self-feeling, preventing the emotional center from being filled with right feelings that give inner meaning and peace. As long as the emotional center is filled with self-emotions, there's no room for right feelings. If there's no room for right feelings, you're not going to have any. This is not rocket science. This is simple 
physics. You take a cup and fill it with muddy water. You aren't going to have any room for anything else in it. You have to purify what's in the cup. The nice way would be able to turn that cup upside down, dump everything out, wash it out, and then fill it up with clean, pure water. Unfortunately, that doesn't work very well for us. What does work is to constantly keep a steady flow of clean, pure water going into the cup. And as the cup overflows, the impurities come out until eventually all of the water in the cup is pure. This is the same way it works with our emotional center. You can't just dump it all out and not have any negative emotions. They're going to come out, people, as you put the pureness of this work in, as you put the water of life that is this work, that, the, that is this teaching, as you put that water in, that, come, that purified water that comes from a higher level, as you put that into your emotional center, negative emotions are going to come out. You try and stop their expression, you're going to blow up. That's not good. You want to keep the cup intact. You want to keep it whole so it can hold something. But you want it holding the right thing. So therefore, it needs to be purified. And that happens that way. It doesn't happen some other way. Purifying the emotional center is a life task. You know what a life task is? A life task is a task that takes you your whole life. <laughs> that's, what, that's what a life ta task is. It's not something that you're going to just do and that's it. Oh, yeah, well, I've got that done. My emotional center is purified. Now I'm perfect. Uh, no. It's a life task because we need to be more conscious of the real sides, what we really are. This destroys the illusions about ourselves. So as we become more conscious of our real sides, of what we really are, the light comes in and the darkness evaporates. There's no big war. You don't see the, the light pushing and then the dark pushing back and the line shifting constantly. There's no war. It's just effortless. And that's what happens. When the light comes in, all your illusions that you hold in the darkness of your ignorance are gone. Are they all gone? No, they're only gone where the light shines and the darkness of ignorance is gone. When the light of consciousness shines into the darkness of ignorance, illusions cannot exist. You have to accept what you really are or you have to go back to darkness. That's your choice. Why we continually choose to go back to darkness is because we hate the light, because we want what we want. And the light shows us that what we want isn't the highest and the best for us. And because we still want it anyway, we hate the light. We have to work out our own salvation. and Each one has a different task. This work will show you what's needed for you. Nobody's going to tell you. This work will show you what's needed for you when it's needed. Negative emotions complicate life unnecessarily, producing all the unhappiness that we experience in relationships. Negative emotions are responsible for the unhappiness in relationships. Well, that's right. Her negative emotions, his negative emotions. No. The only negative emotions that have any power over you at all are your own. Other people's negative emotions don't have any power over you until you make them your negative emotions. When you have made them your negative emotions, you have given them power over you. It's possible to free ourselves from these unnecessary negative emotions. When we understand this, we're never at a loss for what to do in any situation. Any situation, I don't care what it is. There's always one answer. Find the negative emotions in you, in whatever the situation is, and eliminate them. I don't care what it is. Your, your dog got pregnant. Find the negative emotions in you, eliminate them, and the situation's gone. Well, the dog will still be pregnant. Yes, but it won't be a problem. My daughter's pregnant. Well, that's a little bit worse than your dog being pregnant. You're going to have more negative emotions to get rid of now. But until you get rid of the negative emotions, 
the situation will not be handled. It will be exacerbated, but it won't be handled. You don't have to express negative emotions unless you do. When you're expressing negative emotions, the thing to do is separate from them. You can't separate from negative emotions that you're not expressing, that you're not having. So when you're having negative emotions, attempt to separate from them. Finally, after we do that, like the water coming into the muddy cup, eventually we won't have any. Eventually, all the negative emotions will be replaced with real emotions. Look, people, this is how it works. It's not magic. It's simple physics. And it is not only possible, it's doable. And it's doable by you. It's doable by anyone who wants to do it. There's nothing that difficult about it. Just begin to allow the light in. Just begin to give up your negative emotions. Just give up the ones you can give up. You don't have to give up your cherished negative emotions right away. You can keep them for a little while longer. Suffer as long as you like. But eventually, you're going to get tired of that particular kind of suffering and want to trade up for a new and exciting kind of suffering. And so you're going to give up that negative emotion for another one. Fine. Then we stair-step it out. The work doesn't teach we have no right to have negative emotions. That's what exoteric religions do. This is why people are so upset with exoteric religions. Thou shalt not. And you have no power to thou shalt not. The work doesn't say thou shalt not have negative emotions. It says, look, you're going to have negative emotions. There's nothing you can do about that. It teaches we have a right not to have negative emotions. That means that you don't have to have them. That means that there's something you can do to not have them. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to have them. It means you do have them, but you have a way out. Take the way out. That's what this work is encouraging people to do. That's what esoteric Christianity, esoteric religions are teaching people to do. All our troubles are due to nourishing negative emotions, feeling that we're owed something. When we see what we're like, can we really think we're owed something? Have you ever seen what you're like? Have you ever had a moment when you realized what you were like? Did you then feel all cocky and proud and owed? No. It's always just the opposite. We feel like we owe. We feel like we owe this huge debt. We're humbled. Humbled is not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. As long as life is based on imagining that other people owe us, we're not going to get anywhere. We'll be like dogs chasing our tails. We'll go around in circles, ad nauseum. When we see no one owes us anything, and it's always our own fault, then all of our accounts begin to be canceled. This gives us the possibility of hearing higher centers and what they will tell us. Higher centers aren't telling us much of anything right now. And the reason they aren't telling us much of anything right now is because we can't listen. We can't hear what they're saying. Our ears are stopped up with our own desires and our own negative emotions, with what people owe us, our own accounts. Our eyes are thick with our own dreams. Our hearts are hard with our account keeping and internal consideration. As we begin to allow the light to soften, allow the light to pierce through that illusion that covers our eyes, that darkness that covers our eyes, we begin to see what we're really like. And that begins to soften our hearts. As we see what we're really like, we look at other people and we start to see why they are how they are. And we start to have compassion. That's what this work is about. Purifying the emotional center so that you can love your neighbor as yourself. That's not a bad thing. The horrible truth is that this work is a beautiful thing. It's not some intellectual construct for people to write books about and to give seminars and classes and workshops about. It's something to be applied to the human heart. In other words, the emotional center, so that it can be purified and so that we can take our rightful place as real men. It's doable, but you've got to start.
The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com, to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.